Hey, welcome to Cinema Scene on Gardner Webb University Radio, WGWG.org. I'm Noel T. Manning II, hanging with Mr. Adam Long from Focus Newspaper. Focusnewspaper.com is where you can find out more information about Adam. You can always go to our Facebook page as well and uh, go to WGWG.org. And uh, from there, you can find links to our uh, radio shows. Uh, that, so you can, you can backtrack any of these radio shows you want to uh, from the past uh, few years. We've got those archived that you can check out and, and relive, relive the 30 minutes that was Cinema Scene uh, right from you your go. own iPod or wherever the heck you, you, you got your mobile device. Adam, how the heck are you, buddy? I'm doing pretty good. Pretty well. Uh, long time no talk. Yeah, man. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff going on, um, but uh, a lot of movie stuff going on as well. We're we're glad uh, glad that we're we're both back uh, in action here, and uh, we've had some uh, some other interviews and things that have popped up uh, on uh, on the show uh, in the past uh, few weeks, and uh, uh, just glad uh, you and I are back uh, back in the saddle together here. Yeah, definitely. Well, man, uh, it is uh, approaching August. Uh, this weekend uh, is uh, that, that first weekend of August. And, you know, uh, summer's almost gone, man. And uh, that, that means uh, we'll see what happens at the box office as things wrap up. But uh, I got to say, man, we've got, uh, I think we've already got the, the number one film for the, the summer wrapped up. I don't see anybody getting close. I, I don't see anything happening in the next few weeks that's going to knock Jurassic World um, off its perch um, as the number one uh, film for the summer, uh, maybe even the number one film for the year. Um, at this at this count, uh, $626 million, and that is just in the U.S. All right, that's just the U.S., I'm sorry, U.S. and Canada. Uh, worldwide, uh, this thing is $1.5 billion. Uh, I don't see anything uh, getting close. I mean, uh, the number two film, um, is uh, Avengers Age, Age of Ultron, and it's almost $200 million behind. So uh, Inside Out is the next one. So we'll, we'll see how, uh, how these things all wrap up by the uh, end of the summer. We always do a summer wrap and uh, look at those, uh, the top 10 uh, at the box office from, uh, from a money standpoint. But uh, we've had uh, four films uh, so far that have gone over uh, $200 million. Actually, four films that have gone over two hundred fifty. million. A million dollars at the box office so uh we'll, we'll keep our eye on that and uh, as we get close to uh, september that labor day weekend uh we'll uh, we'll recap all of that so that's a sneak peek at what to expect uh, in a few weeks uh, adam um box office results we'll talk about that we'll also talk about what's opening in theaters uh, also we will look at um the best adam sandler open openings ever and see where pixels ranks with that along with uh, director chris columbus and see his biggest openings ever, and also see where uh, Pixels fits with that. But uh, first, let me give you a chance to talk about some uh, some Hollywood deaths uh, that have happened since uh, last time we talked, and uh, let you get to share some uh, some feedback on that. Yeah, it's been about a you know a little over a month, and we there's quite a few of these that we haven't gone over. So uh, we'll just quickly breeze through these, but they're worth uh, mentioning for you know uh, any of our listeners who are movie geeks like we are. Uh, we'll start with Patrick McNee, who was the uh, star of the Avengers television show. But we also have to remember that Patrick McNee had a lot of great uh, cameo performances and a lot of uh, great films over the years. Most notably, one of my favorite appearances uh, by him in a film is in The Howling, the 1981 Joe Dante film. And he's, uh, he's great in that. 
and he was 93, so he, he had lived a, a long life, but uh, he was a great character actor, and, and even the leading man in the Avengers, and so uh, there was one, and we also had, uh, this was a pretty big one, James Horner, the uh, composer for such scores as, uh, worked three times for James Cameron, of course, in eight with Aliens, and Avatar, and most notably with Titanic, and I guess his biggest claim to fame will always be Titanic because that was the biggest-selling orchestral soundtrack album ever. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The and of, you know, the pop charts or whatever. Yeah, Horner was great. I mean, he, and he also did uh, a couple other films that come to mind that I just really loved, uh, Field of Dreams and Braveheart. Yep. Uh, two other films uh, that, that he had that, I um, mean, his, his, his list of films was deep very very deep but those are two that they really pop out to mind for me as well but you know died in a plane crash only 61 years old yeah. um you know he had a, a lot of uh, a lot of filmmaking left in him i think yeah i think he did and uh he was uh, supposedly in talks uh with cameron about scoring the next three uh, installments in avatar yes there's going to be three and so they were working on that at the time of his death uh, you know, so many great scores, and, and it was a good story about him that they always said the reason he got, well, you know, he's originally worked, working for Roger Corman uh, in the early 80s. I think he did Humanoids from the Deep was one of his first scores. And they were getting, they were putting together Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, and after the uh, failure, box office failure of the first movie, uh, they scaled down the budget for the second Star Trek movie. And they wanted to use Goldsmith to score that film, but they couldn't afford it. They didn't have the money for James uh, Jerry Goldsmith, so they decided to go with James Horner. <laughs> and that's how uh, he wound up scoring uh, Star Trek II, and then they used him again for number three. So uh, those are great scores. And But my personal favorite of all of his scores is for a small film that was uh, originally made for PBS, and it uh, went on to... Uh, get a theatrical release terrific movie called testament which is about the effect after effects of a nuclear bomb being dropped in a small california community and it's just a heart-wrenching film and just a beautiful score uh and you can actually that's available on youtube somebody's posted that score it's, it was so rare for many years but now you can actually hear it and it's just beautiful very lyrical and uh so you know we'll, we'll miss him and uh, amanda peterson is an actress who didn't have a big big career but uh, she died at 43, and uh, they just kind of found her dead in her apartment. Uh, her family says it may have been heart-related. She's had some heart problems. Uh, so, but her most famous role was opposite um, uh, McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey, in the uh, 1987 film uh, Can't Buy Me Love. She was right. the one that he actually uh, he pays her to be his girlfriend, and he becomes popular as a result. You know, it's a it's a cult film and a, and a a film that people of a certain age, yours and mine, certainly remember, and we all wanted to uh, be, be able to uh, rent a girl uh, if we didn't have a girlfriend like Amanda Peterson. <laughs> yeah, that, that that was a that was a film that I loved. There were so many of those um, great films for teenagers uh, yeah. during that time period, and uh, I mean, just so many of them, and so many of them. Um, and you know, just wonderful stories of that teenage angst and all the things we were going through. But also, I just remember the soundtracks to so many of those movies that were just so, so good. Yeah, yeah. She's also in, uh, speaking of Joe Dante, we mentioned him earlier, she's in uh, Joe Dante's The Explorers. She plays uh, 
believe it was uh, Ethan Hawke's girlfriend in that film, I believe. I can't remember. It's yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, so she appeared in that, but, you know, uh, it's another sad loss. And, and one of the bigger losses was Jerry Weintraub, the film producer, uh, also, you know, started his career as a promoter for concert promoter for Elvis Presley and Frank Sinatra, and then he branched off into films and produced such films as um, Oh God and uh, The Oceans Trilogy, and uh, those are just a few, and The Karate Kid, of course, and he died of a heart attack, and there's a great documentary about Jerry Weintraub's life. It was made for HBO a couple of years ago. If you haven't seen it or our listeners haven't seen it, highly recommended called His Way, and that's an endlessly, endlessly fascinating a documentary about uh, Weintraub, and just give you a, a, a very quick story. Uh, he said that uh, Elvis Presley would not perform in any concert venue where they didn't sell all the seats, so they were doing these uh, afternoon shows, and the seats weren't selling as much as, as the evening seats, so he had 5,000 seats that he could not sell, and they didn't tell Elvis about this. And he went next door to the venue or close to the venue. They had a, a prison. He got some of the prisoners to get out on work release, and they literally took up the 5,000 seats that hadn't been sold, put a big tarp over them in the parking lot, and hid them from Elvis, and he came out and did the concert. <laughs> That's the kind of guy this uh, Jerry Weintraub was. <laughs> so uh, anyway, an interesting guy. And, and um, so he, he, had to, he did whatever it took to get the job done. Omar Sharif was yes. 83, and he yeah. was, of course, star of Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, of course, Top Secret. Oh, yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, you got to throw in Top Secret, man. you got to. you got to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, so, you know, we, we wanted to mention him. And um, There's also uh, was, Alex Rocco from, uh, from The Godfather. He yeah, died. Yeah, I was um, going to bring him up, yes. Died, died uh, I guess it was last week, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, he was 79. Uh, yep. you know, may, maybe not a name that a lot of people know uh, other than those that love film, but uh, a face that, that many would recognize. Oh, yeah, Mo Green, of course. He was a Jewish, he was an Italian actor, actually, and he wound up, uh, wound up playing one of the most famous Jew, Jewish uh, gangsters in cinema history, which was in The Godfather. He plays Mo Green in the first one and gets memorably shot in the eye in that film. So, uh, yeah, and I've been told, some. I have some colleagues who have interviewed him and talked to him, and they tell me that he was just a really, really great guy, just a really nice super nice guy so uh you know um so we'll we'll miss alex rocco he had a son who who died at age 43 uh about 10 years ago and he directed murder in the first that movie with christian slater so he his he actually survived his son for a while you know that was a that was a film that um i felt was really underrated um murder in the first i really really uh appreciated that film i have not watched it in a number of years but uh, I'd love to go back and revisit that film. Yeah, that's a good one. It is, it is. And I was thinking about that, too, when I was reading his obit. I saw that his son, uh, that he had survived his son, and his son directed that. And I thought, wow, that's something. But uh, we'll, we'll mention E.L. Doctorow, the novelist, who uh, several, of his, uh, several of his novels were turned into films, most notably The Book of Daniel, which became Daniel. Uh, that was a, uh, an early 80s film. Uh, Ragtime, which is a terrific movie. I'm a huge fan of that film, directed by Milos Forman, and that was, and uh, of course Billy Bathgate. You remember that from the early 90s? Oh yes. All those real Doctorow novels turned into film, 
he died as well. And um, that, uh, I think that pretty much, that's pretty much covering the ones we've missed, I believe. I don't see anybody else. Yep, I, I don't either. I don't either. Yeah, a lot, a lot of deaths uh, happening over the past, uh, past month to, to talk about and some uh, Great, uh, yeah. great accomplishments there, and uh, with with their with what they provided for uh, for film. Um, yeah. we, oh, we, one other one, Dick Van Patten. We didn't mention him. So, oh yeah. But he had he was more of a television actor, but he did have some cameos in in films like Westworld. So we'll mention. Oh him. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, well, good deal. There you go. All right. Well, uh, I tell you what, let's dive into um, some box office uh, results from uh, from last weekend. Last weekend's box office. Uh, we had a, a film once again that uh, survived uh, at number one uh, for two weeks in a row. Um, this summer has been really interesting. Uh, if you go back to, uh, I call it pre-summer, the preseason, back to April when uh, Furious 7 hit. Uh, Furious 7 owned the box office for, for four weeks. Uh, Age of Ultron came on and, and had it for two weeks, and it was actually knocked out by Pitch Perfect 2. Um, and then uh, Tomorrowland... Uh, a film that, that really did just kind of die at the box office. It, it, but even with that, um, it, was, uh, it was number one uh, its opening weekend. Uh, San Andreas uh, had a number one slot, followed by Spy for, uh, for the 4th of July weekend. Then Jurassic World, uh, Adam had it for three weeks in a row. Uh, and in those three weeks, it just made a ton of money. And it's continuing to do well at the box office. Um, Inside Out uh, squeaked it out. Uh, for that, uh, for one week, and then Minions came in for one week. But Ant Man, uh, Ant Man um, survived that following week, in which uh, I just said it, it's actually done it two weeks in a row, mm-hmm. barely. But uh, I'll, I'll kind of walk through. Uh, we'll, we'll go through quickly the uh, the top ten. Uh, normally we don't, but uh, I'll just throw out these names so you know what the top ten of the box office is. Uh, Terminator Genesis. Uh, number 10, uh, really not doing anything at the box office, $155 million budget. Um, it is not going to make its budget back uh, domestically. Do you think, and I don't mean to interrupt, but do you think we will see those second and third installments in, in that series uh, that they've rumored and they've talked about? Well, you know, I, 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 I don't know, because worldwide it's done pretty well. I mean, worldwide it's made its yeah. money back, uh, $305.6 million, but... Um, but we do, you know, just from a standpoint of, of how we feel about films, it, it's got to have a, a good feeling domestically, too. Uh, this, one, right. this one just didn't do it. Um, you know, a few years ago, um, I'm trying to think what movie it was that, uh, oh, uh, Battleship. Uh, you know, yeah. Bat- Battleship died here in the U.S., but it made tons overseas. I mean, tons. Yep, And, right. um, you know, there was talk, okay, they're going to do a sequel, um, because it made so much money overseas. Uh, that's mm-hmm. been, what, four years, three years, and I don't hear anything yeah, new years, happening. Yeah, I believe, 2012, yeah. So um, I don't know. I think it's possible, but, um, you know, there was to me it was an okay Terminator film, but it wasn't great, um, and it didn't, it didn't do anything that made me say, okay, I really care about the next ones coming out. So yeah. uh, I kind of left with that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I, it wouldn't surprise me just based on what it's doing um, overseas. Um, yeah. Mr. Holmes in at number nine, you know, very, um, you know, limited number of theaters. Uh, it's only in about uh, less than 700 theaters. Uh, I really wanted to see this film, but uh, it's, it's not that easy to find. Uh, you have to really look to see where you can find this film. Uh, Jurassic World actually dropped to number eight from number five. Uh, Inside Out 
uh, dropped from, from was number four, dropped to number seven. Uh, some new films, debuts last week, Paper Towns was number six. Uh, Southpaw, number five, uh, with the debut, and uh, it brought in uh, $16.7 million over the weekend against a $30 million budget. Uh, Trainwreck, uh, in at number four, uh, brought in $17 million opening weekend against a $35 million budget. Minions, um, you know, continuing to do pretty well. Uh, it was number three last week, and uh, $22 million last weekend, um, and a total gross of this, uh, $262 million. The budget for this film, only $74 million. Um, so that it's, you know, not, not too shabby there. They've done quite well. Pixels uh, came in at number two. Uh, Adam Sandler with, uh, with yeah. all of his buddies uh, in a, uh, a film that's uh, into the world, but, uh, you know, into the world because we've got our video games that have come back to kill us because uh, aliens decided to take them on. Um, it's you know I, I thought it was kind of creative a creative end of the world kind of way um, creative way to talk about the end of the world and alien invasions that's um, but I'm wondering you know everything you see in the trailers is that all the fun stuff uh, but the budget only 88 million dollars um, it's got 24 million last weekend here in the U.S. Uh, 55 already uh, worldwide uh, but Ant-Man uh, squeaked out at number one at $24.9 million, the budget for Ant-Man was $130 million. Um, worldwide, this movie's already got $234 million. So uh, normally don't give you a top 10, but just thought I'd uh, throw in some of those so you'd see where the rest of these summer films have been shaking out. Um, give me some comments on any of those you want to, and then uh, I'll give some, uh, some feedback on Adam Sandler-released films and Chris, Cumbl- Chris Columbus-released films. Yeah, we'll start. Uh, we'll, we'll work our way from the ten, from number ten, and go go all the way to number one. I'll just give quick blurbs. I, uh, Terminator. Um, I, I don't think it's quite as bad as what people are saying, although it definitely has some issues and some problems. Um, you know, they they try to to, to mess with the uh, timelines in the in the first two installments, and when you stop to think, as long as you don't stop and think about it too much, <laughs> yeah, uh, you, you can kind of go along with it. Um, but if you stop to think about it and you go back and rewatch the other ones, it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And you can tell there's just a, a sense of desperation that they're just trying their best to, to, to capture that, the nostalgia for those earlier films. And, they, and they're, really, they're really grasping at straws. You know? If you don't think about it too much, you know, there, there are some, there's some good action set pieces in it. And I don't think it's, it's not as bad as no. I had been led to believe. But, uh, no, I, anyway. I, I agree. I think it was a good film. But I, I do think it was trying too hard to please right. the uh, the original Terminator fans. Um, yeah, I, I felt some things were a little forced. Um, yeah. But but it was good. It was like I said, it wasn't great. Um, I, I do. There was a twist, and I did like the twist. Uh, it, it shook things up uh, tremendously, yeah. and that was, it was uh, revealed in the trailers. You know, so yeah, which yeah. really kind of stinks. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, that's I, I agree with you. Sometimes when you give too much away in trailers, it's like, yeah. okay, why am I going to watch this? Yeah, Southpaw's yeah. guilty of that too, but yep. we'll get to that in a little bit. All right, all right, go for it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, Jurassic World, uh, Mr. Holmes, I didn't get a chance to see Jurassic World. Uh, it's just kind of ho hum. I'm really surprised at the success of this film. I guess they just, you know, uh, the, the time was right. That's the only explanation because it's absolutely no better or no worse than the last installment, which did basically nothing at the box office. Yeah. So, 
you know, if people didn't go see the third one, I'm really scratching my head as to why so many people are flocking to see this one when it's really quality-wise no better. You know, I'm, uh, but, I'm, I actually, you know, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it's just not, uh, it's not any better, not any worse, about, about on the same par, but uh, I guess they just, they timed it just right. What yeah, I, I'm really not, I'm not surprised actually it's done this well. I'm, well, I'm surprised it's done this well. Uh, yeah. I'm not surprised it had success because we're talking two decades uh, you know, yeah. since the last one, and uh, you've got a whole new audience, a whole new generation. Yeah. Um, many of these uh, people who are going to see it never saw the other ones ever in theaters. So uh, that, it doesn't surprise me from that standpoint because visually, uh, it is a visually stunning, uh, stunning film, and yeah. uh, I, I will definitely give it that. Um, it's, it's worth checking out uh, for that, uh, if nothing else, especially if you've never seen any of the other ones on a big screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 not uh, not not the worst thing in the world, but I was kind of underwhelmed with it. And uh, Inside Out is 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 good. I don't think it's quite as great as everybody's saying it is, uh, but it's it's solid. It's certainly a step in, in a better direction for Pixar after the last couple of missteps that they've uh, that they've had. So uh, it's 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 a good movie, uh, just not quite as uh, overwhelmingly great as everybody as I was led to believe, but definitely good. Southpaw, formulaic uh, stuff there, a lot of formula trappings. Uh, if you've seen any boxing film in the last 20 years, you kind of know what to expect. But the performances are really good. Gyllenhaal, McAdams, and the kid that plays, and Forrest Whitaker, of course, and the kid oh, yes. that plays uh, Gyllenhaal's uh, daughter in the film, just really, really a, a revelation there. So, you know, if, if you can just kind of go along with the performances, uh, you, the formula trappings might not hold you back, and you might be surprised how much you enjoy it. Trainwreck I was disappointed with. Uh, that's uh, probably Judd Apatow's weakest film, I think, that he's made uh, altogether. Uh, I just, the script is very formulaic. It, it borrows heavily on such films as When Harry Met Sally, and I just didn't find it all that funny. Uh, it's utterly predictable. I mean, Amy Schumer's okay, so's Bill Hader, but you know, it just—I—it's I, just a whole hum affair, and I—I I maybe laughed a half a dozen times, uh, and it's overlong, like most of Judd Apatow's films. And I really had a blast with his last movie, This Is Forty, but uh, this one just didn't really do it for me. I must admit. And then we—we uh, we have Ant Man, which you and I saw together, and uh, I know you liked it a little bit more than I did, although I really did enjoy it. You—you you absolutely loved it, and uh, but it's—it's it's good. It's very good, and. Uh, I just think I'm having a little Marvel burnout, and I think that kind of <laughs> yeah. affected my appreciation of it. I, I, had I gone into this without all the, the trappings of all the Marvel movies I've been subjected to here lately, I probably would have had a little bit better time. But as it is, it's it's a good movie. It's solidly entertaining, and there you go. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. If you, um, if, you, if you don't want to watch superhero films, then you need to stay out of the theaters for the next five years. Yeah. Um, because we're going to be, um, if you think we've been... Uh, if, if you think the theaters have been oversaturated with superheroes and supervillains uh, in the past decade, um, just wait, because uh, I can't even begin to count the amount of projects that are in the works. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it's going to, at some point, it's got to burn its way out to where it's we gone. have a, a few years where it just doesn't happen and then it'll come back again. Because um, it's, I mean, I can't look at movie news now without seeing five different things pop up about about superhero films. And and I and I do love comics and I love good superhero films. You know, Ant Man to me was refreshing because it was funny. 
Um, and it didn't take itself too seriously. And I think that's what I really enjoyed about it is it was entertaining. It was truly entertaining mm-hmm. for me. Well, we've only got about seven more minutes. Um, so let me, uh, let me dive in quickly with just a couple things I did uh, promise our listeners we would do. Uh, Adam Sandler films, um, you know, let's look, where does, where does Pixels uh, factor in in, uh, in Adam Sandler openings? Well, it is the 16th um, um, best opening for him. Uh, now, now, put it in perspective, Jack and Jill opened up better than Pixels, okay? Um, uh, you know, only by a million dollars, but still, it opened up better, and that was during, um, you know, November. So um, well, we'll see it, how that holds for, uh, for, the, for, for Pixels for the next few weeks. Uh, the best opening ever for an Adam Sandler film was The Longest Yard, uh, opened at $47.6 million dollars. Uh, you know, some of his other films that, uh, that had success, Big Daddy, uh, 41 million, Grown Ups, 40 million, uh, Click at 40 million, Waterboy, 39, uh, 51st Dates was at 39 as well. But, uh, I, you know, I, I really, it was just kind of fascinating me that it, this is the 16th um, out of his, what, 20, 30, golly, the guy's had a lot of films. He's had almost 40 films that he's done over the course yeah. of his time. Um, that he's been involved in, and that's uh, that's really pretty tremendous when you think, uh, you know, how how young the guy still is. I mean, he's in his 40s, but still, he does a film every year. Pretty much every year he's doing a film. Um, now, they're not uh, not great, but um, he's still uh, still out there doing it, and people are still giving him the money to do it. So it's just, it's interesting. Uh, I guess as long as... Uh, He's still trying to make some money, and, and people are still willing to pay. It's going to keep happening. Um, yeah. Chris Columbus, uh, you know, he directed uh, Pixels. Um, his best opening ever was uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone at $90 million. Um, Harry Potter Chamber of Secrets was at 88 And then you got to go way down. Percy Jackson was number three uh, with $31 million. Home Alone 2 was 31 And, of course, you know, when you start factoring in inflation, all that can make a big difference too. But Home Alone, uh, the original Home Alone, only opened at seventeen million dollars, but that was nineteen ninety. So uh, be interesting to see how something like that would do today. But I thought those were just some interesting takes on uh, on how these two did with that particular film. Uh, opening this weekend, uh, I want to make sure you give you time to talk about uh, Vacation. Uh, opened actually uh, early this week. Opened to Wednesday. So let's get your thoughts on Vacation. Well, Vacation is. Uh it's 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 getting terrible reviews as a general rule. Rotten Tomatoes is like a twenty nine percent twenty nine percent is what it's trending at right now. But I had a better time with it than I expected to. I, I, I guess my expectations were so low that I just I knew it was you know by the trailers you could tell it was going to be a lot raunchier and pretty much a, a comedy in line with what we're getting in the year two thousand fifteen. And no, it doesn't have the gooey sentiment that you got from the original vacation movies but it does have a lot of belly laughs you know of the raunchy variety most of them and uh i you know i i laughed a lot more than i than i anticipated uh there's some great cameos of course by chevy chase uh, and beverly d'angelo they i mean their their parts kind of underwritten actually but it's nice to see them there anyway uh, they're running a bed and breakfast here in the movie that's what they've done after retirement but uh uh, and then uh, you have Chris Hemsworth and Leslie Mann. Uh, 
their uh, Rusty's uh, brother-in-law and sister, respectively, and there's a pretty funny sequence where they go to visit them that I thought was one of the highlights of the movie. But the audience was having a great time. One of our movie colleagues, or one of our critic colleagues, walked out of the screening uh, 30 minutes into it, so he wasn't having a good time. But uh, most of the people that I that were there seemed to be enjoying themselves, and I don't think I've heard that many laughs in the theater in a while. So, uh, you know, I'm going to give it a, a B minus. Okay. It's not great, but not as bad as you would think. And, and then I'll go ahead and talk about Mission Impossible right quick. Very yeah, quickly. Mission Impossible, um, Rogue Nation. This is the fifth right. installment, fifth installment of this franchise. Very, it's a very good movie. Uh, it's right. Uh, I would say quality wise, it's on a par with the last one. Okay. Um, the quality has not slipped. It's a different director this time around. You've got Christopher McQuarrie, who was. Uh, who has uh, collaborated with Tom Cruise on his last uh, two movies, I believe, before yeah. this. And um, they've got a good thing going. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's the most James Bond-like of all of the uh, Mission Impossible series. It reminds you of, of, an, of an entry of the James Bond films. Uh, and there, it, the movie probably has the best sense of humor of all the Mission Impossible movies. And, of course, there are great set pieces. Uh, there's, you know, the movie opens with um, uh, Cruise clinging to the side of a, of a, of a jet, um, you know, trying to retrieve something. And then um, later on there's a great set piece set inside of an, uh, of an opera house. And, you know, there's, there's, some, there's a motorcycle chase later. And uh, just a lot of, you know, a lot of good action sequences, good sense of humor, and uh, just a fun movie. And uh, I would give that a solid B plus for sure. Good so. deal. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, that's one thing that I think has been really interesting uh, with this particular franchise, um, it, it's 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 continued to find ways to keep itself fresh and relevant, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's that's not an easy task to do. Um, no, but but they found a way to do it, and there's already talks about uh, about a sixth installment uh, that may be happening. Um, you know, Macquarie uh, was also, if you want to go back numerous years. Uh, he also the uh, writer for Usual Suspects, which was uh, just an amazing screenplay, and um, he was the the writer for that. So uh, yeah, he's worked with uh, talking about Tom Cruise, worked with Tom Cruise on Edge of Tomorrow, uh, Jack Reicher, and also Valkyrie. He worked with him on that as well uh, as the right. writer for those films. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. I think people are going to have a good time with it, and um, you know, this is an interesting series because it's a series that seems to have gotten better as opposed yeah. to quality. Uh, getting worse the film seemed to get better each time with each successive entry so that's not something that you typically see uh in movies no and you know it's you go back to the original um i don't have the um when that original was made but it's been you know 96 was it 96 wow yeah wow so we're talking you know we're talking almost 20 years um that is incredible and tom cruise has continued to star in each of them um that's got to be a record for uh, the same person starring in, in, a, in that many franchises uh, or that many franchise films, um, you know, unless you throw, you're going to throw out, well, you can also, you can talk about Leonard Nimoy uh, if you want to talk about, about him, but I mean, somebody actually starring and, uh, and, and being uh, the main character, uh, I, I got to do some research on that. You know, Star Wars would have some of those, but, uh, but, but Tom Cruise, these films would not have continued to happen had it not been for Cruise. It just That's wouldn't. True. You know, it just wouldn't. I mean, his, he's produced these. Uh, he's produced probably all of them. I don't. I don't know if he did the first one, but um, definitely the last last four he's he's been involved in. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Mission Impossible Rogue Nation opening in theaters uh, this weekend. Check that out. Uh, And next weekend, if you guys are listening, if you're in the Raleigh, North Carolina area, let me invite you to come to the North Carolina Museum of History on Friday night at 6 p.m. I'm going to be there uh, having a a great chat, great conversation, open to the public with uh, North Carolina filmmaker Earl Owensby, uh, pioneer and legend Earl Owensby, who uh, built the first movie studio um, in the state of North Carolina and uh, the film industry uh, as it came to be in North Carolina. It would have never happened uh, to that extent were it not for uh, for what Earl did. I mean, Earl brought people like James Cameron uh, to this area, and James ended up uh, shooting the abyss just across the state line in Gaffney and at Earl's uh, studio there. And uh, you gotta got to check out some, uh, you got to check this out if you're uh, in the Raleigh, North Carolina area next Friday night. Um, a meet and greet with Earl Owensby, and uh, I'll be doing a conversation with him uh, for the general public. And they've got a great exhibit uh, called Starring North Carolina 100 Years, 3,000 Films. And so uh, they'll be looking at a lot of uh, film memorabilia that will be available for anybody to take a look at. And this is only going on through September 7th, so you've only got about another month. Uh, It's been going on uh, pretty much a whole year, so uh, you don't have a lot of time left to check this out, but I encourage you to do it. And if you're there Friday, stick around Friday night and meet Earl Owensby, and uh, I'd love to meet you as well. Uh, Any final thoughts or comments before we wrap things up, Adam? Go see Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. I think you'll have a good time. And and one more thing, I want to recommend the documentary Amy. That wasn't in the top ten, but I want to mention that uh, the documentary on Amy Winehouse. That's a superb piece of documentary filmmaking. Tragic and sad, uh, certainly, but uh, well worth your time. Yeah, and let me let me. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned documentary because I've, I've got one I want to recommend as well. Um, Evil Knievel uh, was a name that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. Um, a guy that was uh, was talk about a living legend. This guy was into extreme sports before there were extreme sports, and uh, you know, he was just a very charismatic and unique character who would take his motorcycle and jump over really crazy things and do all sorts of stunts. Uh, he died uh, just a few years ago, but there is a uh, documentary out now called Being Evil, and um, I would recommend checking this out. It's, uh, it's a, a really unique look at uh, a very flamboyant and an odd character who was more than a character, and uh, so Being Evil, I would recommend that uh, if you want to check it out, and it's got some... Um, interesting producers and got some great interviews uh, scattered throughout this piece as well. But um, it's going to be officially released uh, August the 21st. Um, and so if you get a chance to check that out, I'd recommend you to do it. And there's a great trailer uh, that you can check out if you just uh, type in Being Evil. Uh, yeah, I so, want to uh, see that. recommend Sounds that. Good. All right, till next time, I'm Noel Manning. That's Adam Long. You can uh, find out more about Adam and follow his reviews at focusnewspaper.com, and you can always go to our Facebook page and interact with us there as well. Listen to these shows. Just go to wgwg.org, and you can uh, listen to us live or download them as well. Till next time, I'm Noel Manning. That's Adam Long, and for this week, that's a wrap.